0: Wrestlemania is finally here. It's just around the corner. It's the most anticipated weekend of the year for wrestling fans. Uh, And as I said, it's not just a single event. It's a full weekend of events. Uh, so, joining me right now, and I figured that it's too big an event that I wouldn't have to preview it myself. So, I'm going to be tagging in my partner here. Uh, his name is Donnie Da Silva. He's one of the godfathers of podcasting, one of the news members of SNME Radio. And he's been uh, in broadcasting for just about 30 years now. Uh, so, Donnie, how are you?
1: I'm well. Thanks for having me, man. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I've been in broadcasting for. Yeah, about that amount of time and been in the wrestling business about that amount of time, too. So, uh, yeah, I I tend to watch things like WrestleMania and other wrestling events with a bit of a different eye, um, having been on both sides of the barricade. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, this will be fun. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for joining me. Uh, So there's a lot of of hype around this year's event, uh, as it's the first event of the uh, Paul Levesque creative era. Uh, what have you thought about his uh, booking decisions thus far? Uh, it's a good question because some of the some of the
1: stories that are Triple H um, credited actually started in the era before him, right? Before mm-hmm. he took overall creative control. I think it's universally agreed upon that the bloodline story is maybe the best that they've done in that company. If not the best ever, then it's right up there with, like, stone-cold Vince McMahon, right? right? There's really nothing else that rivals it in terms of long-term uh, viability and box office power. There's nothing else that comes close. You know, mm-hmm. people like to talk about things like Macho Man Hogan, but that didn't have the long-standing run that this has, right? Right. It was, bunch of promos, it was a little bit of this and that, and then they had a (laughs) blow-off.
2: And that was kind
1: of it, right? Mm -hmm. So this is um this is special, but the bloodline story started under Vince McMahon's regime. But I think Triple H gets full credit for inserting Sami Zayn in the way that he did. Mm
2: -hmm. I think Triple H gets
1: Mm -hmm. full credit for turning Sami Zayn from the guy who fought Johnny Knoxville on last year's WrestleMania to a guy who a month ago everyone wanted to win the wwe championship that's Mm. insane
2: yeah (laughs) (laughs)
1: so to me right and i've been i've been a guy over the course of my career in the business i've been a guy and obviously not at the wwe level and local independent level but i've been a guy who has been a booker a creative uh force in a dressing room trying to put shows together and to me when you're looking at a 12 month chunk of time if you can get one guy to really spin out and blow up Mm -hmm. you've done a pretty good job you know so if triple h is graded on nothing else other than the explosion of Sami Zayn, that's huge Mm -hmm. the other thing that is so special to me under this regime is you know if you look at the bloodline story i think one aspect of it that nobody ever looks at is the old school logic why do we have factions right why do we have factions as far as fans are concerned we have factions cuz they're cool the real reason that they put factions together is a they're looking for stuff for certain guys to do that are underneath and b they're hoping one guy out of that faction is going to spin out and become a star one mm-hmm. that's that's the hope you get more than one then great <laughs> this faction is so amazing in what it's accomplished because Roman Reigns prior to the bloodline was universally hated by WWE audiences he was the guy that was handpicked he was shoved down everyone's throats no one liked him he was overexposed overpushed he beat the Undertaker and everybody was pissed about it nobody was down with Roman Reigns now he's like a golden god right he's (laughs) when he makes the comment i'm in god mode yeah dude you kind of are (laughs) then look at the usos prior to the bloodline story the usos were a really good tag team that's it Mm -hmm. and almost to to fans who have never met them and spoken to them and gotten to know them indistinguishable right they're twins (laughs) 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 they they work similarly Right, I had heard years ago. Well, Jay's a little bit better. I don't know which one's Jay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Now, not only are they completely unique personalities. When you see them on the on the screen, you instantly know who it, who is who. You instantly know the nuances of those characters. You instantly know the work differences that they provide in the ring. And that's because of this story. Mm-hmm. And then you look at Sammy, who was a completely underneath guy, elevated to main event status, right? Right. And then you yeah. have the blue chip prospect in Solo, and everyone's looking at this guy like, "Whoa, there's something. There's something there, right? There's something real mm-hmm. special there." I can't think of the last time
2: mm-hmm. you
1: had that many underneath guys or or under utilized guys in one faction and they all became headliners. Like the closest comparison I can have, and it's not a perfect comparison, is is the second rendition of DX. Right. Because the New Age Outlaws were flops individually. You know, one, two, three kid was a flop in the WWE in terms of his main event level power. You could argue that Waltman never really became a main event star anyway. And Triple H was always a mid-tier guy. So you could argue that the DX is the best comparable. But the Bloodline story, to me, if Triple H, as to go back to your question, if Triple H is graded on nothing else, that's important to me. And I was looking at this WrestleMania card, and I was thinking to myself, when's the last time a WrestleMania show had this... It's not all the matches, but there are about four or five matches on the show that have me invested
2: Mm -hmm.
1: in the story. There's at least four or five, and then there's a couple of others where I'm like, well, that'll be a spectacle, right? So cool, I wanna see it. I wanna see the spectacle. But there's stories attached to several of the matches in a way that we haven't seen in the last few years of WrestleMania. Usually be maybe the main event, maybe one mid-card program, and everything else is kind of thrown together in the weeks leading up to WrestleMania.
0: That's a good point. And um, so the Bloodline is, of course, the top storyline, as you said. Uh, but you can see they're, they're kind of teasing a breakup in some cases. Like the, the cracks are already starting to show. Um, and uh, a lot of people think that Jay, the Usos may split, uh, if depending if they lose the titles or not. And then uh, people are talking about new factions maybe taking that role. I've heard rumors that the Hurt Business may be reforming after WrestleMania. I've heard that, um, it, and it looks like Judgment Day is kind of being groomed for that spot. And uh, so we'll we'll start there uh, with there because three of the members of Judgment Day are booked in matches, and I'm assuming Damian Priest is going to be accompanying at least one of them uh, to the ring. I
1: think he's in. I think he's in the. Uh,
0: he might be Battle in the Royal. Battle Royal, but I think that's on SmackDown. But I, I think he will be probably participating in the Mania event as well, in some capacity. So I couldn't think of a better place to start than with our own. Toronto, uh, fellow Toronto native Edge. Uh, He's going to be in the Hell in the Cell match against Finn Balor. Rumors already circulating about the two entrances uh, for the individual participants in that match. Um, To me, though, it kind of, there was kind of a definitive conclusion at the last pay per view, the Elimination Chamber. Um, Do you see that this is something that needs to continue? And and how would, and if this is the end, let's say, how would you uh, write this conclusion?
1: I think it's hard in the minds of wrestling fans to have a definitive conclusion to a 10 month feud in a mixed tag. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that people register that the same way as a bloody, nasty, traditional blow off. And, you know, there's no bigger blow off than a hell in the cell. And certainly edge has had his fair share of really good hell in the cell matches. Um, and so i personally am excited to see that match i think this 10 month story that they've been on has had significant stop and start moments obviously because of edge's health and not always being there Mm -hmm. but the story is simple right he helped well no he didn't help he formed the judgment day Finn Balor came in, took his ass out,
2: <laughs>
1: and they have been feuding ever since. And there have been all sorts of twists along the way, including his wife being assaulted and everything else. I don't think that the, the small measure of revenge they got at Elimination Chamber was satisfying enough for me. That felt to me, from a creative standpoint, that Elimination Chamber match felt like a stopgap. Like, we need to fill something with this story to get us to the blow-off, you know? If people are feeling like, oh, they already ended this feud, then that's not a good sign. You know, that probably means that they haven't done enough to make people care about the program, mm-hmm. which is probably why they gimmicked it up with a Hell in a Cell. Right. Um, so to me, that makes sense. I figured they would have a blow off at WrestleMania. It would be some kind of a, of a gimmick match. And I mean, edge, edge, as much as the TLCs, has become known for Hell in a Cell. So I think that'll be a fun match to watch.
0: That's a fair point. Uh, yeah. So, and then uh, the other two Judgment Day members that I spoke of, uh, Dominic Mysterio, the the battle of father and son of the Mysterios here uh, for the I guess the the head of the table and their family. Now Dominic is somebody that I think has significantly improved since Triple H took over creative, especially yeah, in recent weeks. That's an understatement. Yeah, especially in recent weeks. Like his, I I, I thought his emotion and his his uh, acting. Performance in the in the whole when Ray when Ray knocked him down finally, that was brilliant. Now, do you see this as the as the kind of the ride off into the sunset for Ray Mysterio? Do you see this as his last match, or like how do you see this one playing out?
1: Yeah, a lot of people are saying that. And I think a lot of people are saying that because he's being inducted into the Hall of Fame the same weekend. So they're saying, well, you're gonna be an active wrestler, and you're in the Hall of Fame. Well, it's not uncharted ground i mean edge is in the hall of fame and he's running around spearing Mm -hmm. guys so it's not uncharted ground it's been done where we've had active wrestlers who are in the hall of fame but let's be honest whether wrestlemania is his last match or not ray is definitely late in the back nine right he's he's at the end of his career and Mm -hmm. we know that but when you watch him work like i watched his match on smackdown last week and i thought this guy hasn't lost any balance like he's lost nothing in his knees. He's lost nothing in his legs. He's still a bump machine. And you look at him and go, why can't he keep doing this? Like, why can't he keep making money? And he totally can. I think a lot of the public is of the belief that Ray will win this match, get his arm raised, and have the, the big, uh, you know, revenge for everything that Dominic has done. I don't think that's what's going to happen in my mind. I think Dominic's going to win by some form or fashion. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a pretty emotional moment, story wise, for Ray. And I think Ray's going to go away for a while. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Ray's going to be gone. Ray has been one of those guys since his most recent return to WWE a couple of years ago. He's a workhorse, man. He's there every week. Whatever you need him to do. You want him to feud with Seth Rollins, he'll feud with Seth Rollins. You want him to feud with his own kid, he'll do that. Whatever you need him to do, he'll do. He's a workhorse. I think he's earned some time off. I don't think you'll see Ray again, maybe till SummerSlam, where he will be chasing after Dominic once again. Mm -hmm. I think that's the way I see it. And and that's, to me, from a story perspective, that's what makes the most sense. But my God, did they do a beautiful job building this? Mm -hmm. Like, kudos to triple h when's the last time you saw a crowd go ballistic for a punch <laughs> one punch they, they were milking
0: punch. that for sure yeah
1: wasn't even a good punch was <laughs> one punch and the crowd went bananas mm-hmm. right that's 80s wrestling man right that's when the crowd used to react to the baby face just hitting the guy and that's a huge credit to dominic for being this true heat machine that does not want your cheers he's not trying to make you laugh he's not trying to entertain you he works in the ring like a heel he's not trying to do anything pretty he's not trying to get a pop from the crowd go ooh Dominic's really uh, athletic and he's improving his moveset (laughs)
2: like (laughs)
1: Dominic doesn't care he's the best seller in the company right now Mm -hmm. the best yeah like. Because he doesn't just sell a move. He sells the move five, ten minutes after it happened. So few guys do that these days in the business. And he's so good at that. (laughs) So huge credit to Dominic. Huge credit to Triple H, as we already mentioned. The way they've built this story is
0: chef's kiss. Mm -hmm. Um, So the other... Part of that equation, of course, the Judgment Day equation, is Rhea Ripley. She'll be challenging for the SmackDown women's title. Uh, Is it just me, or are both of these women, her and Charlotte Flair, both heading into this match as heels?
1: Yeah, I mean, Charlotte's playing the role of babyface, but no one really ever buys Charlotte as a Mm -hmm. babyface, right? She's such a natural jerk. Like, Charlotte Mm -hmm. is just, she just comes off with a-hole vibes, right? and that's not to say that that's what she's actually like but she comes off that way she comes off as just disingenuous like you don't want to cheer for her and people cheer for her because of how much they dislike Rhea Ripley right now so you know it'll it'll stand to it'll it'll be an opportunity for her to show off in the ring if her work style looks more babyface mm-hmm. right and and it'll be interesting to see how the crowd reacts I do think though that what you're bringing up is a good reason why a lot of people are kind of meh about this match Mm -hmm. i think universally a lot of fans want to see rhea win either because they're like burnt out on charlotte or because it's that nxt mindset right like she deserves it (laughs) (laughs) she worked hard so okay yeah she deserves it she worked hard okay i mean this isn't the participation awards or anything and to me it's like if i'm the company who am i going to make the most money with right now for the reasons you've mentioned as it relates to the judgment day being positioned as a premier faction there's more money to be made with rhea as the champion mm-hmm.
0: exactly and and i think this is her time like she's already uh oh and two against charlotte i believe so um what are you, Tony Khan? <laughs> we Who don't cares? have any ranking systems here.
1: <laughs> Who cares. Who
0: wins. So, uh, speaking of wins, one person that has been winning a lot lately is the Raw Women's Champion, Bianca Belair. Uh, she'll, of course, be challenged by the, the uh, winner of the Elimination Chamber on the women's side, Asuka. Um, another kind of weird dynamic where where Asuka is kind of like on the fence between babyface and heel, uh, she did kind of attack Bianca this week, but I don't know if that was a full-on heel turn. Um, do you? What kind of match are you expecting out of these two, and do you expect that we'll have more clarity uh, by the end of it?
1: I know that internally, people in WWE have been calling her Dark Asuka. I think that's sort of like a nod to the new look, the new face paint, the more aggressive style she's been showcasing since Royal Rumble. Does that mean that she's a full-fledged heel? I don't know. I think ultimately fans are going to decide, right? And I think people like Asuka. I think that's really what it comes down to. People like Asuka. That's not to say people don't like Bailey, or Bailey.
0: Bianca. (laughs) Bianca.
1: I think it's going to be very difficult for the company to have Bianca retain that title.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I think it's going to be very, very difficult. There are lots of reasons that you want to invest in her, her look, her age. Her um, profile to this point is really impressive. She's still not viewed in that upper echelon of women in the company. She's not viewed in that realm with Becky, Charlotte,
3: Mm -hmm. Ronda, Bailey,
1: Rhonda. right? She's not, she's in the next tier. And maybe that says something. Like she's had the title as long as she's had it. It's her second reign and she still hasn't, broken into that top tier of women Asuka is there mm-hmm. and Asuka is a triple H favorite yeah that's big a time point. big time he is a huge proponent of Asuka so for me I think that I think the best way to do this match is not have it be more than 10 11
2: minutes mm-hmm. you know and let Asuka be like a bit of a, a bit of a killer mm-hmm. you know. Give
1: give uh, Bianca like a nice extended comeback, where it looks like she's gonna put it away. Maybe even give her a visual pinfall, or something. There's a a, a ref bump or some kind of nonsense. But I think uh, I think Oscar wins and she probably wins dirty.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I think that would make the most sense and probably be the most interesting outcome. Because uh, I don't really know what to do with Bianca from here if she if she does pull off the victory. Like who's who else is left for her to face really? But to me, it's not just about who else is there to face. It's who else can help her elevate. Yeah, yeah, that's true, too.
1: Because she's faced everyone, to your point, and she hasn't cracked that top tier. You know, unless you're under the age of 14 and female, you probably don't see Bianca as being the best. Mm -hmm. So, you know... She's, she's improved tremendously. Yeah. Like from where she started at the PC to now, I mean, unbelievable. And full marks, but, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're running a business here.
0: Yeah. I, I think the problem with her, though, is the inconsistency in the booking. Because, like, I think she had help, tremendous help, with, uh, with those two victories over Becky. Uh, but since then, it's kind of been, like... She's kind of been floating around the mid-card area where where like girls like you mentioned, like Charlotte, Rhonda, and Becky, while they're not the champions, they're still levels above her. And that
1: speaks to what I was just saying, right? There's other people who are bigger focused creatively because they have more prominence within the company. Mm -hmm. And that's partially on her. Like, it's her job. Like, going out there and showing everyone how strong you are is great. But what else you got?
0: So uh, the women look like they're going to be having a big weekend uh, this this coming uh, weekend of WrestleMania. Uh, we have the six woman tag as well added to the card. Uh, a very confusing. Do you, care about,
1: do you care about that match?
0: I do not. No, not <laughs> me personally. Okay. No, but like uh, I I just find it very confusing as all uh, because Miz actually brought up a really good point during that that segment on Raw this week, is that Becky Lynch her whole character is supposed to be the man right? Like she's like a rebel. So why would she need to be teaming with Trish and Lita? Why would she even want to team with, with people uh, to help against uh, damage control? And Trish and Lita even being involved in this match doesn't really make doesn't really add up to me either. I see it
1: a little differently. I see it like they are planting seeds for the next program. I think they are planting seeds for the next Sammy slash J slash Jimmy
0: mm-hmm.
1: type program
0: within damage control you mean
1: no the other side oh the other side okay i see subtle hints of trish going heel mm-hmm. maybe not at wrestlemania but maybe Hmm. It, it'd be a really easy way to have damage control go over but i see a program leading to and when i say program mostly jibber jabber mm-hmm. leading to maybe a SummerSlam match where it's trish versus becky versus becky right I know for a fact they want to work each other Mm -hmm. in a one-on-one. And the story, the the reason I use the bloodline comparison is having Lita stuck in the middle, Mm -hmm. having to choose who her BFF is. Maybe Lita even becomes the referee. Like, Mm -hmm. there's some really cool creative opportunities there that I think they can do. Um, Trish, since retiring, has been a de facto babyface. Because... You know how can we miss you if you won't go away she's been gone a really long time and then everyone misses her and it's great but she's so good as a heel so good understood i and i i think that's what they're doing so while the eyes are on damage control Mm -hmm. to see what happens within that faction i think it's a bit of a swerve i think it's the other way Mm -hmm. that the story is actually going to spin off and i think that's why this is happening at all usually wrestlemania is the feud killer in this instance i think it's going to yeah. kill one feud and launch another.
0: That's a good point too. And yeah, that is the that is the rumored program is Trish versus Becky for SummerSlam, but my problem with that is that WrestleMania is supposed to be like the mecca of sports entertainment. So this match kind of seems like a lesser a lesser match compared to that one.
1: I mean, a six-man tag where the champs are not defending their titles, it could be a raw match mm-hmm. unless It's to spin off a different idea. Right. And if this is second, third match on a card, who cares? (laughs) You know what I mean? And and the nostalgia of seeing Lita and Trish work on WrestleMania again, that'll be nice. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable to me how good both of them still are. Uh, I know Trish is in the best shape of her life, you know, and uh, it's... For me personally, it's a lot of fun to see. Right, Trish at one time was my broadcast partner.
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember that.
1: We used to do a show
2: together, yeah.
1: and uh, it's so cool to see where she's come from there to being this this piece in this uh, in this story as the vet coming out of retirement to
0: to take up arms with her BFF and the girl she doesn't care about. <laughs> So uh, one of the more puzzling matches on this card to me is the whole situation between Brock Lesnar and Omos. Now the rumor. Why is it, it
1: puzzling? I want to know why is it puzzling. So well, the rumor
0: is that Brock yeah. had rejected a match with Bray Wyatt because he's not into the whole uh, gimmicky type stuff. Um, but with Brock and Omos, like it's puzzling to me because Omos is not somebody that to me has been presented as like a monster or any kind of threat to Brock Lesnar. And I and I have to remind yourself and, and the listeners out there that Omos is somebody who lost to Braun Strowman last November. He lost to Bobby Lashley last WrestleMania. He hasn't really beaten anybody of significance that I think puts him on the same level with Brock. So that, okay. that that's kind of what I'm what I'm getting at and it just this feud like just kind of came out of nowhere. You are
1: Tony Khan. like uh, listen there are some guys who cannot take a loss and continue on and be packaged in a credible way there are guys whose entire run is dependent on a win or a loss some guys get to such a level that nothing hurts them Seth Rollins could get pinned in the middle of the ring by a 10 year old Mm -hmm. won't hurt him a bit Right? Randy Orton could lose a match to anybody. Won't hurt him a bit. I'm not comparing almost to those guys. But there is something to be said for the freak of nature factor. And there is no pay-per-view in all of wrestling. I don't care what company you're talking about that draws in more casual fans than WrestleMania. And to a casual fan, seeing that big old monster against this guy who has some appeal outside of the wrestling business because of everything he's done in UFC because of you know his history in, in amateur wrestling and the fact that he was a walk on to the Minnesota Vikings that guy versus this freak of nature I'm curious big time to see the mechanics of this match mm-hmm. it's really rare that Brock puts up a stinker like a really garbage match it's it's rare, you know? Like, the last one I can think of was a WrestleMania match with Goldberg, and that's just because mm. both guys didn't want to do business. It was their last night in the company. That match is the company's fault.
0: Right. I, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't care for either match with Lashley recently, either. I liked them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and
1: here's the thing.
0: Brock is so underrated.
1: Like, he's so criminally underrated. Last week on my podcast, I was talking about this with Santino Marella. We were saying, like, fans don't understand how good Brock is. Like, his ability to sell, his Mm. ability to put guys in a position to look like they can beat him, when we know he could kill everyone on the roster. (laughs) (laughs) And the mechanics, the physical mechanics of wrapping your arms around Omos and German suplexing him when he's that much bigger than you is really tough. Like, I know independent wrestlers who won't even attempt certain suplexes when the guy is five, six inches taller than them because it's dangerous. It's difficult. Mm -hmm. So when they say, you can't suplex almost, it's not really the weight issue. You know, the height issue is a much bigger thing from from a feasibility standpoint. So from a strictly freak show perspective... I'm interested in that match. Mm-hmm. I have zero doubt he can fireman's carry and give him the F5 because I've seen him do it to Big Show. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I have zero doubt he can do that to Almost. But he wasn't throwing around Big Show with all kinds of suplexes. And that's the story that they're teasing here. Every promo MVP is not really pumping, you can't F5 Almost. He's saying, you can't suplex Almost. That's the story they're weaving in. Mm hmm. If they hadn't said that at all, Blaine, I would be like, eh, this match might just be a whatever. <laughs> but that's the, that's the thread. And I'm like, oh, I want to see him suplex almost. <laughs> I want to see this guy get chucked around. Almost doesn't need to win matches in order to be an attraction. Right? He just doesn't. He's huge. And wrestling fans are so obsessed with this nonsense of, how many moves does he know? Who cares?
2: <laughs>
1: Who cares? He's seven foot three or whatever the hell he is. And you know what? His working punch is pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's all he needs, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he needs is a good working punch. You know, he does some stuff that reminds people of a very, very raw Kevin Nash. Mm -hmm. And Kevin Nash himself has said, this kid is better than I was at his age. You know? Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of it has to do with packaging. A lot of it has to do with presentation and everything else. Um, I don't think they have any vision of almost becoming an actual main eventer. This match is only intriguing to me because of
0: the biological mechanics of it. And I want to see that. Uh, so uh, Logan Paul is somebody that has also uh, really surprised me a lot of celebrities have always been a special part of Wrestlemania but I think he might be the best one yet I mean I I think everybody knew he would be a good talker but were you at all expecting him to be to pick it up so quickly in the ring as well
1: I knew he was super athletic and I knew that he's the kind of guy that wants to be really good at everything. And he's got that bravado. So him doing like buckshot lariats and springboard planches, like that stuff doesn't surprise me. Cause he's super athletic. Mm. What surprises me. You said that the promo skills didn't surprise you guys like him usually hate getting booed. Mm. Right. Celebrity right. coming in from the real world, a guy who has the number one rated podcast on YouTube doesn't normally want to get booed. Oh, that's bad for my brand. That's bad for my prime energy drink. <laughs> this guy works the crowd for heat, like real heat. <laughs> like he doesn't care. And then he just goes out there and does all these flashy moves just to, just to be like, I can do it too, boy. I can <laughs> do it too. So to me, there's been nobody better in terms of one year in the business. Nobody. Mm-hmm. you know and and that guy deserves all kinds of accolades i think that match is going to be fun to watch um but i'm going to be interested more in the heat that they generate rather than how many moves they do mm-hmm. that's for me personally you can bet the house on Seth rollins like bet the house
0: right the other uh big match there is for the u.s title it's john cena challenging austin theory do you think cena's absence from this from television recently like he's only made one televised appearance i was expecting him at least to be on the go home but that wasn't the case do you think that's hurt this program at all i know it's like we can't see him
1: (laughs) um yeah i don't know i mean at the end of the day it's still john cena Mm. it's still john cena right and i think that the idea that they had to mention John Cena will be kicking off WrestleMania, I think that was smart. Mm-hmm. I think that was smart because there will be people that will be like, I don't know if I want to watch two nights of WrestleMania. I'm one of them. I don't know if I want to watch two nights of WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be people that say, well, the Roman Reigns, Cody stuff, that's on Sunday. I'll just watch Sunday, right? Right. People want to see John Cena, like, for better or worse. So having him announced as kicking off the first night, is smart i think the feud is i think the feud is good and i think it's exactly what austin theory needs i think cena is mind-blowingly good at reinventing the way that the crowd perceives him and a part of that again is that how can i miss you if you won't go away right he's Mm -hmm. been gone a long time now people miss him and no (laughs) one's chanting cena sucks anymore unless they're doing it ironically so i think it's a lot of fun to see yeah, I don't know. I mean, what, what's your thought on that match? I,
0: like, I, I think it's a huge match. It's a big deal for Theory, for sure. But I, I just sure. think that Cena should have been utilized more. Like, I feel like it's kind of rushed in that sense, uh, where uh, had they taken maybe, like, six months to hype this up, it could have been something special. But who but knows? It might continue six, after WrestleMania. Who knows?
1: Yeah, you're not going to get six months in John's calendar. Right. I think. I think best-case scenario, best-case scenario to me is... They swerve everyone. Cena wins the title, and then they continue this to the next pay per view, mm-hmm. WrestleMania Backlash or whatever the hell it is, right? Mm-hmm. To me, and, and then let Theory get get his back, uh, get, his, get his belt back. Then, okay, that to me so, is the best case scenario because I think you're right. I think people seeing this come out of nowhere and Theory win, I don't think it lifts Theory as much. I think more back and forth time with Cena would be good for him.
0: Yeah. Just wanted to get your quick thoughts on the two big title matches, the tag titles and the Universal title. You talked about the Bloodline storyline earlier. Uh, do you see any of these titles changing hands? Or, or perhaps all of them?
1: They're all going to lose the belt's plane. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. You can you can bet the farm on that. Now, I know that there is there's a uh, betting uh, trend right now to lay money on Roman to retain. Like thinking, ah, Vince McMahon's involved, they're gonna swerve everyone. But Roman retaining hurts Cody more than it helps him mm-hmm. moving forward. More than it helps the legacy of the nine million days that he's had the bell, right? Right. Like that legacy has already been established. Roman has already reached God mode. Mm-hmm. It's irrelevant right now what Roman does, right? He's already there. He's at the, t- the tippy top of the talent in the company. Cody, on the other hand, needs this. Like, he mm-hmm. really needs this. Because there are still fans that look at Cody as an underneath guy. Right. And I give him full marks. I did not know how the WWE audience was gonna uh, adapt to him, and how they were gonna accept him.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: he got himself over. Like, sure, the fireworks and the Cody elevator and all that stuff, all the production behind him is great. Mm. The way they've programmed him is great, but he's the good, good promo. Like he really understands how to connect with the audience. And the, there's haters for this match. Oh, the whole match is about his father. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's not overthink this guys. It's, that's the story. It writes itself.
3: Right.
1: Um, the tag match, to me, has to main event night one. It has to. If anything else, main event's night one, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to see... Listen, I understand there's going to be a segment of fans that go, well, you have to have a women's match main event one That's of the what nights. I heard too. I don't care. The women's match has no heat.
3: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: It has no box office. If the tag match goes on... Before the main, I am turning it off You <laughs> <laughs> don't care Yes, they already have my money. I don't care. I will yep. feel better. I'm turning it off. Right. I don't care because nothing can follow that. you mm-hmm. know from an emotion standpoint, from a work standpoint, it's gonna be like Jericho Triple H after Rock Hogan
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is one of the worst sequencing ideas I was in just the thinking
0: that too but but that's actually a good point uh, because Cody Rhodes, like I'm not one of the people that has been saying like I still see him as a mid-level guy. I think he's come a long way. Uh, he's gotten himself over outside of WWE, which is cool. a tremendous accomplishment. Uh, yeah. Overseas and Ring of Honor, and, and and he started AEW. Like I mean, this guy has made it, and he's to, uh, me,
1: to me getting over to the Japanese crowd, getting over in Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. getting over in AEW. It's all work related right it's all based on how many springboard cody cutters are you gonna do how many beautiful disaster kicks to the floor through a table are you gonna do Mm -hmm. how many times are you gonna let andrade put you through a flaming
0: table
2: like
0: (laughs)
1: that's what that audience wants the wwe audience cares about that but they care so much about the personality yeah you know, but I and, think
0: I think he's brought that as well. Like even when he was outside of WWE, I think that's part of what got him over. Uh, his pro, some of his promos that he was delivering in AEW were top notch. They were fantastic. Amazing. Like especially than, in the other
1: than that whole sequence he went through with uh, what's his name, Anthony. Um, a
0: go go, yeah. A go go. Right
1: oh my god
0: i don't was, even remember the fortunately i'm fortunate enough to not remember that <laughs>
1: yeah the whole thing about my black wife is about to have an interracial child and you know oh, wow. we're having the first interracial child ever like that whole thing like i'm fighting for equality and yeah that was that was a little bit much <laughs> you know <laughs> but and, like other than that he's been hitting home run after home yeah. run
0: and I think it's it's better for him uh, within the WWE because he's not a figure he's not seen as a figurehead uh, like he's not like a politician in that sure. sense um, so I think he's that not works
1: himself to win the belt
0: exactly that works well in his favor. My only issue with it is the timing I think because he just came back at the Royal Rumble conveniently as number 30 position. Um, and then he wins the thing, and then at that point, people were already high on Sami Zayn. I think people were expecting him, to, Sami Zayn, to win at Elimination Chamber. I didn't think that he was going to win at Elimination Chamber, but I think he's the guy that should win. And with Cody, I think the whole Roman and Cody thing. It's not. It's not that I have been unimpressed by it, but it just feels a little over underwhelming, a little bit, just because it. It doesn't feel like the main event of WrestleMania.
1: Interesting. Okay. That's valid. I mean, that's your, that's your take. That's valid. Um, to me, if there's one big criticism you can put on Triple H through his running creative, it's that he hasn't found a way to separate the two big belts.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly.
1: You have two belts that are being treated as one. He's Roman has not been required to defend each belt individually Mm-hmm. We're still led to believe that each belt represents a different roster, right? And yet, he's defending both simultaneously every single time. They could have gotten themselves out of this pickle yeah. by having, by having, Sammy win one belt, and then Cody wrestle for the other.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
1: That would have exactly. ended this pickle, you know. Um, I know for a fact from people in WWE there was conversation. About a triple threat match at WrestleMania?
0: I, I don't think I would have been on board with that at all.
1: <laughs> Nobody was. Yeah. But I know the conversation happened.
2: Right,
1: And I know that there was conversation of having Roman work two nights. And defend the one yeah. belt and then the other belt. And then eventually they just said, all of that just takes away. It yeah. takes away, it takes away. I,
0: I, so I like the two-night defending thing more. But the my only issue with that is that he would have to win the first night. For the second, for the second night, like if he loses the second night, he has to he has to win the first night for it to mean anything.
1: Maybe, I mean, I I think ultimately those kinds of mechanics are why it didn't happen, mm-hmm. right? So, here they are, right? Um, I think that the tag title is a nice consolation prize for Sammy right now. Mm-hmm. I think the audience still loves him. He's lost zero momentum. Right. Zero. You can go back to Sammy as a top tier guy at any time, especially because in the last month or two, they have aligned him with Cody. Mm -hmm. Like Cody's my friend. Cody's my buddy. I don't see a heel turn happening there, but you could see something down the road where Cody relinquishes one of the belts. They decide to separate the belts or they unify the belts or whatever the hell they decide to do. But you can go back to, um, sammy as soon as you need a baby face contender mm-hmm. you know
0: i i just thought of another scenario as you were as you were talking there do you watch the show succession
1: i do not should i
0: yeah it's a it's a great show on a, on uh hbo i believe but uh anyway it's about like a family struggling for power uh within their their corporate um the corporate structure and uh, I think that it, it kind of reminds me of this bloodline storyline in a sense because, with uh, the like, I was thinking maybe like if I, obviously Sammy and Kevin should win, like that is the, the that is the ultimate conclusion to this storyline. But let's say that the Usos somehow pull it off and retain their belts, and Roman loses his, and then it becomes kind of a power struggle to say like, well, maybe one of us should be head of the head of the table now.
1: I mean, listen, three, four months ago, I was a firm believer that they were heading in the direction of Roman being booted out of the bloodline Mm -hmm. to turn babyface. And either Jay or Solo becomes the new head of the bloodline.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: That was my belief. I was firm in that thought and now it doesn't look that way anymore. Dave Meltzer is telling people that Solo versus Roman is going to be a post WrestleMania program. I don't believe
0: that. I don't see that either. I like I, I. don't think that Solo is there yet. Like he's not at that level. Um, he's really
2: good. <laughs> he's he, really good. He is in I
0: his mean, in his role, but I think once he gets into a more speaking role, I think they're going to, uh, like right now, they are hiding his limitations, and doing it very well. Like he's not he's not cutting any promos. He's just a silent background player right now.
1: Do you know that that's a limitation of his? Or is it that they just haven't shown you that piece yet?
0: Uh, I mean, he did a little bit of talking in NXT. He wasn't terrible, I would say, but he didn't blow me away. Okay. Um, so I don't... I, like. I, I mean, maybe he could excel in that role. Who knows? But nobody, ex- nobody knows him for his speaking.
1: No, certainly not. Um, but I think in the role he's given... Like, look, his role... He's hook.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And if you want to compare them, they came into their companies relatively the same time, right? They both don't talk and they're both known for being badasses. Who's more believable today?
0: Mm-hmm. That's true.
1: Right. And they've, they've elevated him to a point where it's like, he can go on raw and have a great match with Cody. And it's mm-hmm. totally acceptable. And he loses his mm-hmm. first pinfall loss. Yeah. Doesn't hurt him a bit.
0: Right. And I think that was a great, great booking decision to have Cody give him his first loss on the go home show heading into his, totally. the biggest match. Yeah.
1: Totally. Uh, brilliant. And, and, and it doesn't hurt solo because of how well they've built him. Mm-hmm. If you had Hook lose a match against a main eventer right now, he's going to be on the YouTube show for the next three months. Yeah. I
0: mean, he's there anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like, anyway, that being said, I think that Roman and Cody will be really good. And I know that there's internet fans out there that can't stand Roman reigns matches. I think Roman's Roman, Roman's matches are really good because mm-hmm. they, and I don't mean all his matches. I mean, his matches during this run, I really enjoy the emotion and the pacing of his matches, mm-hmm. you know. And Cody is so good at reading the crowd and making those emotional decisions on the fly. Roman, mechanic-wise, is a mm-hmm. perfect base for Cody to do all his high-flying shit. Right. Roman is a
2: really good base, maybe the best yep. in the company. So there's money to be made in in Cody.